uh, I'm going to do something a little different. I want to kind of let you know what I'm preaching on before I preach because I don't want the heart of this message to get missed. The heart of this message is this. God's ways are best. God's wisdom, although contrary to this world's wisdom, God's wisdom is best. Prayer. God wants us to ask. He wants us to be in dialogue with Him. He wants us to be speaking to Him, to be listening and expecting Him to speak back. He wants us to ask, and He wants us to receive. He is a good God. As we go through this passage, let's not let the heart of that message get lost. Amen? So we're, we're in, a, in a study um, called Vital Christianity covering the book of James. And so we wrap up James chapter 3 and begin James chapter 4. And as we do so, I'll read the last two verses in, in James chapter 13. But I want us to keep something in mind. This is not, just, just because it's a different chapter does not mean it's a different thought or concept. That It didn't just close one thought and then totally abruptly start with a totally different thought. What happens is James is going to conclude what we have dubbed as as James chapter 3. And then immediately in the first verse of chapter 4, you're going to see just this, this dramatic shift of theme. So let's go ahead and go there with James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. We covered that two weeks ago when I preached on this and said that the wisdom from above is Jesus Christ. And that these traits that we read about, these are the the characteristics of, of Jesus Christ. And these also are the things that should be fruits of our life, things that describe us as we allow the Lord just to grow us. Verse 18. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wisdom from above, heavenly wisdom, produces an atmosphere of peace and peaceability. Peace that's sown by those who respond in righteousness to him. Sown by those who make peace. And it will grow into fruitfulness. What does earthly wisdom produce? Let's go to the very next verse. Let's take a look at this passage. Verse 1 of chapter 4. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? Literally, what this says is, from where wars? From where fightings? Are they not here, your pleasures? That's, that's exactly how it's translated. James has this amazing shift, talking about peace to talking about war and conflict. Why so dramatic a turn? Why use such contrasting thoughts? James is still on the theme of wisdom. He hasn't changed his theme of talking about wisdom. And he uses such dramatic differences, war and and conflict, contrasted with peace, because he wants us to see the difference. 
the ridiculous contrast between heavenly wisdom and what this world offers. Heavenly wisdom produces an atmosphere of peace where godliness grows into fruitful impact on God's kingdom. What does earthly wisdom produce? Earthly wisdom produces constant conflicts and warfare among men due to what? Due to striving. Striving is a great effort or struggle to obtain or achieve. Striving at times does obtain what it's striving for. Striving at times does achieve the goals that it is striving for. But there's one thing that striving always achieves. Strife. Striving always achieves strife. God's wisdom and man's wisdom. I'm not standing up here talking about us not having goals, us not working hard, us not striving you know, to accomplish strong and, and awesome and, and noble things. That's not what I'm talking about. The point I'm trying to make is whose effort, whose focus, whose emphasis is it going to be? God's or ours? God's way of thinking or the world's way of thinking? And I say the world's way of thinking, guys, because we have bought into it. And, and, and we're inundated with it. It's in every form of media and, and entertainment and communications. And But who are we going to believe? Who are we going to buy into? Who are we going to let define us? Our earthly wisdom is argumentative. Our earthly wisdom is oftentimes selfish. Why? Because by nature, our flesh wants what it wants. I see precious, we have lots of babies in this church. We have lots of little ones. And they're precious and they're wonderful. But if you stay around them early enough, as soon as they can start talking, they learn a very powerful word. Mine! 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 Remember Nemo? Wasn't that what the little seagulls? Mine! Mine, mine, mine! Mine! Man's wisdom focuses its attention on trying to get and attain what it is that our pleasures, what what James addresses, our pleasures, the source and the root of strife and conflict. What's the opposite of that? Actually caring about what God wants us to be attaining. Putting God's goals and God's desires above our own. Our earthly wisdom is used to getting the things we want. And the honest truth is, by that earthly wisdom, we're willing to do just about anything to get what we want. We're willing to do just about any despicable thing if it advances us. If it gets me what I want. It's funny, when I'm talking about this, I'm not talking about joy. I'm not talking about peace. I'm not talking about rest. I'm talking about things. I'm talking about status. I'm talking about things that truly, when all said and done, just don't matter. 
but for a short while, they can occupy our focus and our attention so greatly that we see nothing else. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have. So you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. Who did James write this letter to? Who's this letter written to? This letter is written to somebody, a specific audience. Who did James write this letter to? The church. The church in Jerusalem. This was written to the church. Once again, James uses these incredible, contrasting, dare I say, dramatic thoughts. You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. Once again, this was written to the church. Very dramatic, right? I don't know of any Christian that, you know, that would commit murder to to get what they want. Any 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 churchgoers in the house know of a Christian who has murdered someone's reputation to gain status, who has murdered someone's good name in order to advance themselves, and maybe not in the church. Now let's just widen this. But in the workplace, anybody had their name, their good name, murdered at someone else's hands because they're trying to gain advancement. Murder isn't always taking someone's life. Sometimes it's taking their good name. Or sometimes it's taking their hope or their joy or their confidence or their purity or their innocence. You want peace? Do you want peace? Do you want fruitfulness? Those are those are easy questions with easy answers. How about this one? Do you care more about growing the kingdom of God than you do about growing your kingdom? How about that one? Truly. Do we care more about advancing the kingdom of God and His purposes and His will than we do about advancing our purposes and our will and growing our kingdom? This is a theme that James is being dramatic, yes. But he is, he's directing it to the church with boldness. And so we do the same today. We boldly address ourselves with this theme. Do we care more about God's will than we do our own? Do we care more about God's kingdom than we do our own? How about this one? Do our wants and desires perfectly align and correspond with God's? Do our wants and desires perfectly align and correspond with God's? To the extent that we answer yes to these last two questions will equal the amount of peace, fruitfulness, that's present in our lives. Does that make sense? 
to the extent that we can answer this question, yes, Lord, I want your will above my own. Yes, Lord, my, my desires and my wants, they align with you. I make sure they do. To the extent that we can answer that question, we'll be able to gauge the level of fruitfulness and joy and peace in our lives. Guys, pursuing our own passions and our own ambitions is exhausting. Why do you think James uses the the contrasting thought of peace? And I've started to, this is from a man who has started two businesses and planted a church. I'm an ambitious guy. I might, I might start another business at some point. Kara's saying no. I, I promise you this church will plant other churches. That's ambitious. But it's not striving. It's not strife. It's not something that we're going to take on ourselves and aim for with all we have come hell or high water. We do what we do in alignment with God's word, with God's instruction, with God's plans, with God's approval. We want peace. Let's want God's will to be done in our lives more than our own. Earthly wisdom is completely selfish by nature. Earthly wisdom and our flesh wants what it wants. And the world, what does the world say? You deserve it. You deserve it. You've earned it. You deserve this. Nah, friends. I'm a hard worker. But I know what I've earned. I know what I've earned. I know what I deserve. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages? What are wages? Wages are what I have worked for. Wages you better not rob me of. I've worked hard for it. I deserve it. You give me my wages. Wages are what I have earned. For the wages of sin are death. Friends, I'm a sinner. I know what I deserve. I know what my life was. I know what the focus of my life was. And I know what the fruit of my life was. At times, it was hurtful. At times, it was mean. Mostly, it was always selfish. I know what I've earned. And thank God, I don't get what I've earned. Friends, thank God. We should all thank God we don't get what we've earned. What do we get? A free gift. Let's put that verse back up there again. We get the free gift of God through the work of Jesus Christ. If we adhere to the wisdom of this world and the prodding of this world telling us what we deserve, we make it all about us. We make it all about us and what we can attain and what we can achieve. And friends, the danger in that is that it, it defines us. We let it define us. We let it define us and our worth, what we can attain, what we can achieve. We let those things be the titles to our life. You've earned this much, so you're successful. 
you haven't earned this much, so you're not successful. You are married and have kids, so you're successful. You're single. You're not successful. You have you have a, a great job, and you've been there for 13 and a half years. You're successful. You, you're in between jobs. You're not successful. You weigh... 150. You're not successful. You need to weigh 105. That's whatever. What are the things we're striving for? What are the things we're trying to obtain? You guys, anything outside of Jesus Christ, I promise you we're going to make it about ourselves. We're going to make it about ourselves. I am not anti-goals. I am not anti-success. I want my children to strive for all A's. Aim for it. But it is not a failure if they don't get all A's. Good Lord, I, I made I graduated college with honors. But I I mean there's this is the honest truth. I promise you this is the honest truth. Kids, this is not godly, but it's the truth. I for crying out loud, I graduated from a Christian college, graduated with honors. I cheated in Old Testament and New Testament class. The soccer team gave somebody real close to me the tests ahead of time and and we cheated in Old Testament survey. How stupid is that? So I, I got an A by cheating. I mean, that's totally bad. Lord, let them not judge me right now. Lord, let your grace be in this place and let Amy not be judged for whatever reason that might be. Lord, What's more important, what we learned or, or the mark we received? Gosh, isn't that, isn't that brutal? I totally did that, guys. It's brutal. Kids, you do that and you're getting grounded. <laughs> you guys, even, even charitable organizations make this mistake. And theirs is a noble task. Most of them. They make it about how many people can they touch? How many people can they impact and influence? It's noble, right? That's noble. Yeah, but the goal is to, to gain, to touch more people so you can get more donations, to touch more people so you can get more donations, to touch more people so you can expand your staff, expand your reach. Next thing you know, administrative costs take up the bulk of those nonprofits. And this much is meeting the need. Friends, churches do it. Churches do it. We gotta fight against it. Well, we gotta be this big so we can have our own building and so we can have a school of ministry and so we can have a Christian school and so we can do all these great things. It's like, whoa, 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 did God tell you to have a school of ministry? Because the church right down the road has an awesome school of ministry. Maybe you should be sending your people to that school of ministry. And there's a fantastic Christian school down the road. But you know what? I don't want all these Christian kids going to Christian schools. I need some of those Christian kids in the public schools. But we strive. And we're not supposed to. We do so many things without God's go-ahead, without His green light. Why? Because we make it about us. We do. Man, none of us are exempt. I'm not exempt. I'm not exempt. It's not about me. It's about God and what He wants to accomplish. I constantly am making sure, Lord, is my will 
trumping your will? Are we in perfect alignment, God? Because I want your will, Lord. I, I truly do. But I'm so thoughtless at times. I just do without finding out if that's what you wanted me to do. Without Jesus, it all leads to death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Free gift. Free gift. You didn't earn this. Free gift. You didn't earn it. It's not about you deserving it. It's free. You guys, we can't earn what is lovingly and freely given. That gift of love. It's not about us earning it or deserving it. I don't know, in in the world's terms, I don't know what the worst sin is represented in this room. I don't know what that sin is, according to the world, the world's terms, because the world has a scale of sins. These are acceptable sins. These are little sins. These are little white sins. And these are, mm, cheating an Old Testament class. And then these are, and then these are appalling and despicable filthy. That's that's the world scale. All of it covered by the blood of Jesus. All of it, the free gift given. All of it. So I don't care what your sin is, because once you give it to Jesus, it ain't your sin. See, there's no sin that I'm claiming is mine, because I gave it all to Jesus, and I'm I'm not going to take any of it back. And I'm not going to carry the shame, and I'm not going to carry the hurt that comes with those sins, because it's not mine. I gave it to Jesus. So I I don't care what you've done. That's the honest truth. I don't care what you've done. Once you give it to Jesus and you receive His grace and your forgiveness, it's gone. I don't care what it is. I don't care how bad you think it is. Receive the free gift of of salvation. Receive it. It's not about what you deserve. But you don't understand. I am a bomb. I am a dog. I I am lower than low. No. Those are terms that the world has placed on you to keep you from receiving God's grace. That is not truth. That is not who you are. Receive the free gift of salvation. Verse 3. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Literally, it's saying you ask wickedly. You ask improperly and wrongly. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on or in your pleasures. In these verses, James points out three of the major problems with prayer. Number one, you don't ask. Number two, you ask for the wrong reasons. Number three, you ask for the wrong things. What did I just ask God for? Anybody? No, I, I didn't ask God for anything. I, I thought it, and I clenched my fists and I shook. I didn't ask him for anything. 
See, because a thought is not asking God. A thought is not dialogue. Are you kidding me? Nobody. Nobody. Oh my gosh. I just asked you to lend me a hand because I'm in dire straits and I'm in need of someone giving me strength. No response at all? Oh my gosh. What kind of friends are you guys? I just told you nothing. That's your response. Where's the humility in that? I just told you how much I appreciated you, how lovely you look today, how great you are, what a huge asset you are to your family, to this church, to the, to me and my family. And that no response? How rude. But that's what we do with God all the time. Because we think our prayers. And then we get mad at him when nothing happens. We didn't ask for Jack. We didn't ask for nothing. Because see, prayer requires interaction. It's a personal relationship. And it requires us talking to, to God. Talking to our Father. It requires interaction. Friends, we do that all the time with God. We think our prayers. We're, we're even... We're too lazy to even pray them. Why? Well, because if we pray them, we might get disappointed. Yeah, but you have not because you ask not. So... You might get disappointed. I'm asking God for a Shelby convertible when I've got a perfectly good car that gets me around. But I want that that Mustang. There you go. Well, I'm going to get disappointed because maybe that's not asking with the right motives and maybe that's not asking for the right things. Well, then I'm just going to work my butt off and I'm just going to strive to do it. Watch out, because that's how good, that's how idols are established. When we make it about ourselves and what we can achieve, attain and achieve. Well, Mark, for crying out loud, give me a medium. Give me a happy medium. Pursue God and be thankful for what he's given. Trust God and care about his will more than our own. Do you talk to God? Do you talk to God? Do you talk to God? Do you out loud? And if you do, what do you talk about? Do we talk to God? Or do we only ask Him for stuff? When we ask Him for stuff, do we only ask it how it benefits us? Or do we ask God to give good stuff to other people? How often do we ask God to give to and to bless others? But yet we see that very example. When the disciples asked Jesus to pray, he immediately responded with an example of being earnest in our prayers for others. That was his response. Do we seek God's approval for what we already plan to do? Do we seek God's approval for what we've already purposed in our hearts? We're going to do it, Lord. I just want you to jump on board. I don't understand why God doesn't answer my prayers. I don't get it. Why didn't God hear my prayers? You guys, 
I love that James, in the midst of this passionate response about God's wisdom and earthly wisdom, that he stops and says, if your prayers aren't effective, maybe here's why. James's explanation could explain why prayers aren't always answered. Not asking. Asking for the wrong reasons. Asking for the wrong things. Why isn't thinking a prayer, why isn't that good enough? God's huge. God's infinite, right? Why isn't that good enough? Because it's just not personal. It's just not personal. It's, it doesn't align with relationship. God the Father. I say it all the time, but it's worth saying all the time. Sometimes that phrase father means nothing to us because our earthly example of a father was tainted and skewed and bad and wicked and crappy. And so when we say father, we don't have a good point of reference, guys. But our father, our heavenly father is good and only good. There's no bad in him. and There's no anger towards us. Jesus bore that. Jesus wore that. There's no anger towards us from God. We just have to receive the free gift and turn away from what we deserve. Not asking, asking for the wrong reasons, asking for the wrong things. You guys, fixing this first problem is easy. Start talking to God. Start talking to God and ask of Him. It was so cool the other night. Kara and I were outside. It was a nice night. It got colder, so Kara went inside, and I finished studying, and and I, I closed my iPad. And I just focused up at the stars, and I knew what I was preaching on. I, I knew what I was preaching on. I, I had to preach it to myself first. I just started talking to God. And I started asking him, what do you think? Lord, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that, Lord? Lord, what are your thoughts about that? And then I'm like, Lord, what are your thoughts about me? And he had awesome thoughts about me. And he has awesome thoughts about you. And then I asked him, I said, Lord, I, I ask you. I, I asked him, I said, Lord, I'm asking you to grow the church. And here's my motives. And here's why I'm asking you to grow the church. I think we can make a bigger impact. But Lord, change me. Lord, if, if my motives are, are selfish or vanity, Lord, if there's anything other than you, then let me know, Lord, because I, I want to ask in accordance with your will. So put me in check. If my motives aren't right, Lord, I, I yield to you. But I just have this great talk with God. But before I asked for anything, I just kind of was talking to him. And then I closed it with just giving him thanks. Lord, you're so good. Lord, you're so good. Your grace is so good. So the first problem, start talking to God. That's easy. But you know what? The second and third problems that James listed are just as easily fixed. They are. They are just as easily fixed. But one key thing is required. Desire for God to have His will above yours. That's it. That's it. Desire for God to have His will above ours. See, I I, I care about things. I care about my marriage. I care about my children. I care about my family. I care about this church. I, I care about my friends. And so I I put effort towards it. But Lord, your will for my marriage 
is even better than my will for my marriage. So I want your will for my marriage. So what is your will for my marriage? What is your will for me as a husband? Lord, your will for my children, for my daughter, my son, my other daughter, it's even better than my will for them. The things you want for them is even better. So Lord, what is your will? I want your will for my family. Lord, what is your will for this church? Because I have great things that I'd like to see, but Lord, what you have is even greater. So the other two things, what we ask for and the motives in which we ask are easily fixed if we want God's will above our own. And sometimes that starts with an honest declaration of saying, Lord, I don't want your will above my own, but I want to want your will above my own. Does that make sense? God loves it when we're real like that. He loves it when we're honest like that. He loves vulnerability. He's like, oh my gosh, you're such a stud and good looking too. Man, I love that. I'll help you with that. I'll help you with that. You guys, that's God's heart for us, man. That is God's heart for us. Lord, help me in my unbelief. That's what Paul cried out, right? Help me in my unbelief. I want to believe, but Lord, help me in my unbelief. Lord, I want to want your will above my own, but help me with it, Lord, because I'm a selfish sucker at times. And I just, I, I, I need to be retaught. Lord, will you teach me? Oh, and he's such a great teacher. Desire for God to have his way, his will. It's part of the Lord's Prayer, right? Your will be done. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Ooh, what a great question. Lord, what is your will in heaven and how can I see your will manifested here on earth? Because that's what you want. So what is your will in heaven for this situation right now? And let me respond in, in accordance to what's already taken place. Our prayers, hear me friends, our prayers will become so powerful when we align our wills with His when we pray. They will be powerful prayers. When we allow God to change our desires, we allow Him to change us so that our will aligns and corresponds with His will. I have other notes, but I'm done. Guys, James has been so consistent in this book. It's not about what we say, it's about what we do. Faith without works is dead. Will you, will we make declaration to God tonight? I want your will above my own. I know that can be tough to do because it comes down to trust. Do we trust God? Do I trust the future that He has for me is better than the future that I could strive for on my own? Do we believe that? 
Do we believe that? Do we believe that, that His tomorrow is better than the tomorrow I could generate? And what about tomorrow's tomorrow? Tomorrow's supposed to be sunny. So I'm going to put on shorts. And I'm going to and I'm going to go outside. And I'm going to enjoy the sun. And I'm going to, oh, but what if it rains? What if it rains? What if it snows? What if life throws us a curveball? And the things that we expected for tomorrow don't come to pass. So now we're wearing shorts and we're freezing. Now we're outside getting some sun and we're, we're drenched. See, life, there's difficulties that come up in life. And I'm sure we could all script out a pretty dang good tomorrow if we knew that all the elements were in place. But we don't. We don't know what tomorrow holds. That's why we cling to Jesus, my rock. My rock, my stable one, my, my sturdy one. I cling to Jesus. I loved, and at, at the end of worship, our only agenda is Jesus. Our only agenda is Jesus. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but I promise you guys, you can trust him. I don't know what your yesterdays were, and I know you've been betrayed. I know you've been hurt. And I know you've been disappointed because I've been there too. I know it. I know you have. But let's not base our trust for tomorrow on the hurts of yesterday. Let's let tomorrow be a new day where we look to Jesus and, and we trust Him. Lord, what do you want to do right now, Lord? What's your will right now? What's your will right now for this room, Lord, for every person in it, for every marriage in it, for every family in it, Lord God? We trust you to shoot us straight, Lord. Lord, we want your will above our own. Because on our own, Lord God, we have limited strength and limited wisdom and limited resources. But with you, Lord God, we, we trust you for your vast love. No limits.